Hey, you're listening to Surviving the Golden Age, the podcast. I am your host, Adam Terstiak Morgan. And on this episode, we're going to be talking to Joey Cape from the band Lagwagon. May 16th has affectionately become known as Lagwagon Day uh, because May 16th is uh, the name of Lagwagon's possibly most popular song from their 1998 album, Let's Talk About Feelings. Part of the reason that song has become so popular is because of its inclusion in Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, which was recently announced that they would be re-releasing for modern platforms. We talked to Joey about what re-releasing Tony Hawk could possibly mean for the band, and what he's been up to in quarantine so far. So without further ado, let's just hop right into the interview. Hey, Joey. How's it going? Okay, man. Pretty good. You know, like anybody else, a little bored. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so can you take me back to January and kind of like what Lagwagon's plans were for 2020? Sure. Um, well, we were basically planning to be on tour the entire year. Um, and we did a little touring um, in February and March. Uh, at, we toured right up to the almost got stuck in Australia. Actually, we were out there and, uh, and within a few days of the day that we flew home, uh, we wouldn't have been allowed to fly home, but yeah, we had plans. I think there was pretty much, we're going to be on tour the whole year. So, um, it was a big change for us, you know, but I suppose that's true for anyone with any kind of job you know? mm-hmm. um, of course so like for when you were on tour at what point did you start to think or realize that uh, COVID-19 was going to affect your year oh I we knew <clears throat> we knew by the time when we were flying to uh, Australia in late February or I think it was I think we got home on March 2nd or something like that. So we already knew and we almost didn't go. But then, you know, we talked about it as a band and we decided to go. And then we spent the entire tour doing our best version of social distancing out there. We all had separate rooms and we spent our whole days in the rooms. We weren't flying. And, you know, everybody was wearing, we were wearing masks and nobody was wearing masks yet. And we were all trying to be, well... We were sort of learning as we went, but it, every day uh, they were a little behind us as far as the progression. But every day we would see on the news what was happening at home and what was happening in Italy, of course, at that point, and China, uh, South Korea, you know, and, and the various places where that were already hotspots. So we were getting progressively paranoid and worried as to why we were out there. And so, yeah, it was it was interesting to be away and then having text messages come in all day on your phone from people at home saying, what are you doing? Come home. <laughs> you yeah. know, you guys are being crazy. And you know, I think that there was a, a growing feeling of uh, guilt as well because we felt 
as if we were being socially irresponsible because after all by playing a gig we're facilitating a place for a large amount of people to gather and in some respects you know and I, that was really starting to bother us so we ended up skipping the last show it was only three shows <clears throat> um, that we played and skipped the fourth one mm-hmm. and uh we almost skipped the third one you know it was like every day should we just finish this we've already done that yeah it's very strange something i never uh, experienced before that feeling yeah definitely um i don't think anyone has <laughs> no no um probably not so when you have to cancel the tour like you had a u.s tour lined up and you had a european tour lined up when you have to postpone or cancel those kind of tour dates what does that mean for you for the band well for me uh, directly it means i'm out of work um because you know i i i think i can speak for just about the entire uh music industry when i say not many people really sell records anymore and streaming doesn't really pay the bills that kind of stuff is uh is not substantial enough to be a real job unless you're, you know, Taylor Swift or something, or or at least much more famous and probably doing a different kind of music than we're doing. Um, so touring has been, you know, my job for a long time. I mean, if I'm not on tour with Lagwagon, I usually do solo tours, and sometimes me first in the Gimme Gimmies are on tour. I spend most of my life on tour now, and uh, I just look at it as that's what I do. And I'm very fortunate to do it. Um, so when when we're out, when I can't tour, uh, yeah, I have to start really thinking about other ways to make money to pay the bills. And, uh, you know, I won't lie, it's been pretty tough. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, I know how lucky I am. And... Um, this sort of forced break is also kind of great because uh, it's, at least speaking for myself, has forced me to spend some time thinking a lot about my future and what I'm going to do. Um, the, the, the drag of the canceling tours thing is, is that it's best to cancel, of course, because then there's a possibility that people can get money back from point of purchase if they've already bought tickets. Um, but of course, that's not what the people involved want. Mm-hmm. Most, of, most of the agents and the promoters don't want that because they're already losing everything. You know, I, I don't know what it's going to be like on the other side of this, but I think a lot of people are going to be out of my business. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like you know, similar to any other business. It's funny, any, anything you say about it, if you're at all empathic, you just immediately think of every other you know walk of life and every other person and you know there there are a lot of people in more shape than us yeah um definitely what i was really kind of um what i really liked about lagwagon was it seemed like you guys transitioned actually pretty quickly from you know planning to be on tour this entire year into kind of like merchandising and um, not really like COVID merchandising, but like 
your lyrics in general deal a lot with isolation anyways. So kind of making the connection between those lyrics, like the isolation shirts you came out with and uh, you guys had the bandana. And I'm just wondering like how, like when did those ideas start going through your head to do more of that kind of stuff? Well, you know, uh, it doesn't pain me to admit this, but I have next to nothing to do with that. Um, that's really Brian Schroth, who's been with the band a really long time. He's our merch guy. And I think some of the ideas kind of, you know, flow through the band and we talk about them. But I think many years ago, we, we learned that it's, it's, it's best to have somebody that, that, that does that for us. Um, I mean, he's part of our team, you know, he's, he's on our team. He's been with us a long time and he's part of our family, you know? Um, but I do see the ideas before they happen. And of course with like the bandana or something immediately, you're like, Oh, cool. That's great. You know, but that's kind of what he's doing. He's home. So he's got a lot more time. So, and I don't think we're the only band that he serves, you know? So I, I think he's just busy with ideas and some of them, every once in a while, I'll be honest, some of them, some of them that come to me, I just go, no, absolutely not. You cannot <laughs> not do that. Cause of course it represents our band, but most of them, I mean, he's got good taste and he comes up with cool ideas and stuff. So, but I, I, I honestly, I, 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 I don't really care that much about merchandising. I don't know. It's as long as it's not something that I find offensive or as long as it, it, it is in line. I do believe that it's important that the lyrics are reflected, you know, <clears throat> if possible, mm-hmm. but that's not easy to do. Yeah. Definitely. I don't know. When in the early days we, we were all very involved in creating the shirts and, you know, I don't know that I ever actually made the art for a shirt other than one or two really, really early ones because we certainly didn't have any money to hire artists or anything. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I just kind of feel like I'll just stick to the music if I can. And then another thing that um, I, I went to your May 16th Wagmagon Day uh, live stream uh on stage it oh cool and um i was just wondering like uh pre-pandemic times were you already uh, did you already know what stage it was and you know have any familiarity yeah. i did i i actually a long time ago went i mean early in the stage it uh i mean i i'm pretty sure i started doing stage it when you know not long after they started um, cause I used to do stage at shows, I don't know, maybe once or two to maybe three times tops a year. There was quite a few times I did it in a few years. Um, but you know, back then, uh, I think I was probably a lesser known person and, um, also, you know, there wasn't a quarantine happening <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's all sort of these, I, I didn't really attract all that many people to the shows. And so the money was really small. You know, I'd make like a hundred bucks or something when I did one. And, um, it was also, a, it's kind of a lot of work because, you know, you really have to prepare just like any other show, but 
like the lag wagon show for example on may 16th i had to learn a lot of those songs i had played a lot of those songs on acoustic and and brian and i came up with arrangements for them so that was like a week of, of practicing most of the day every day you know it's really diving into it um which by the way is super fun when you have nothing else to do it's great i've been playing more guitar writing more than i feel like a kid again like you know starting over and i have all this time but uh yeah i used to do it and i think i had i did it a few times and just kind of got bored with it and and then just this year um a friend of mine said hey you should stage it you know and so i did one a while back um and yeah i think i'll probably do them every once in a while because they're actually fun and uh it's challenging you know the the trick i think is trying to be creative each time and come up with something that people might want to watch you know mm-hmm. i always think in terms of what i would want to watch there's a lot of talk about doing these kinds of things with the band you know there's venues that are starting to do you know offer uh bands to play without an audience um and they sort of like do a pay-per-view kind of thing where they film you that sort of stuff i think we may end up doing at some point because you know it's a band vote kind of thing and but not all that appealing to me because it seems so strange to me to play a show with a band without the synergy of the crowd, you know, without that synergy between you and the audience. Um, but stage shows are cool, you know, it's like, uh, and they're really the only one that has the cryptocurrency. So if you don't get that icky feeling like you're asking people, Hey, here's my Venmo account. If you want to, help me out you know mm-hmm. starving artist thing i don't like the feeling of ever asking people for anything but they have it all set up so you can set you can set the price pay what you can i think the minimum is a dollar um and uh people can tip if they feel like it and, you know and everybody's there i mean the chat's moving pretty fast but you know i i'm kind of like a blind old man now so it's like if i've got a way to see the chat in front of me it doesn't really matter because by the time i can focus and start to read one it's long gone <laughs> somebody else is yelling beer goggles and text <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean yeah definitely there was a, a lot of uh, yelling for uh, razor burn i i seem to remember yeah, I, it's funny, too, because they're always the songs that you had not thought of. You know, when that happens, it's always like, oh, damn, could have learned that. That song's easier than any of these songs. <laughs> you know, probably could just play it, but yeah, I don't know. So, like, when you're doing a stage it, do you have to more um, think of it as, like, being in a recording studio and just there's, like, a live stream of it? Or do you still think of it as, like, a concert just you can't see the people boy it's a little of both i i don't i'm not sure because it's definitely awkward you know it, when you finish playing a song and there's no response i mean there's a 20 to 30 second delay so even if you're looking to the chat you know that's happening you don't really get that instant thing like an applause, you know, or a booing 
<laughs> whatever it was going to be, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's so awkward that, um, yeah, I, I suppose it's a little, uh, you know, akin to the, a studio experience and that you're, it's stressful and you want to do it, you know, play the song well and you're worried about making mistakes. Um, but it does have that live element as well because, you know, you got one shot. So one other thing I wanted to touch on was just that uh, the new re-release of the Tony Hawk games. Um, right, yeah. Yeah, were you, were you, uh, were you like, a fan of the original games like did you play it i did play it but only because we had music on it i i think my video game uh gaming era was so long ago i mean you know i played when there was like the games were at the arcade and the pizzeria like i and 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 there was obviously you know atari and things like that existed but um i never really got into gaming as an adult except occasionally on tour if we have some games on a bus, mostly because I think I have an addictive personality for those things. And yeah, once I start, you know, something like uh, Zelda or something, I'm just done. I, I've got to play it until I finish it. So it could be like months in a, in a cave, you know? <clears throat> so I, um, but obviously, uh, when the Tony Hawk, the first one came out that we were on, um, I checked it out, especially because it was a skateboarding thing. I thought it was so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it was, and it was, I mean, for the time, I think it was pretty exceptional. It was great. Kind of weird to hear, to be playing a game and your song is playing, uh, but but also just really cool, you know? I mean, I, I think we were just felt really fortunate to be a part of that. Yeah, and do you, I mean, do you have any... I guess, expectation of like what having a new Tony Hawk game with, you know, still with your song on it, what that possibly means for the band or could mean for the band. I don't know. I don't have expectations because I really don't know. I don't know what it means. Uh, Nowadays, I don't know if it, if it means as much. I, I, I don't know much about the game either. I've seen the little on Instagram. I've seen the little, kind of advertisement they have for it, the little clip that they show, and it looks great. But I thought maybe it was just they kind of isn't isn't it just the re release of the same game? Yeah, so it's it's but, it's like Tony Hawk one and two packaged together, but like for all the new systems and so like the graphics are updated and stuff, but the soundtrack is the same as the that's original. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I think he just nailed it with a soundtrack originally and I think because of that he, he was able to get most of those bands or the ones he wanted to, to re-sign on for the new version. And I mean, I, I'm not surprised. I, I'm guessing that everyone was ex- excited as we were. When, when I was asked, like a year ago or something, I just immediately said, of course. I mean, bands don't really, um, bands like Lagwagon don't really have hits, but that's like our hit song <laughs> because of that game, you know? Yeah, definitely. Like, we, we can't really do a show without playing May 16th because, you know, thank you, Tony, for that. <laughs> our one and only single. <laughs> it's funny because cool. I, I, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine just uh, about um, when the May 16th show came up and he likes punk 
like roughly, but when I was like, yeah, Lagwang is doing the May 16th show because of the song. And he's like, oh yeah, I love that song. He's like, I don't really know that much else. I know E Dagger because it was on a Atticus compilation or something. He's like, but I think those are the only ones I really know. So like, I, I was I, like, oh, I guess maybe those are the quote unquote hits of Lagwagon. It's funny. You know, you don't think that that's something that's true for your band. If your band has such a kind of uh, organic and uh, there's the, the evolution of your fan base is kind of like so organic and natural and it's all based on touring and, and what the being a part of a label that had a scene and all that, you know, so you never think that we would be a band that, that has that, that effect on some people, you know, that where they only know certain songs. Um, but I think it's just the way it is. It's true for, for, for everyone. Um, I don't know. It's cool. It's kind of funny. I, I meet people every once in a while, you know, that at a show uh, that say, yeah, you know, I, 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 I played that Tony Hawk game and I love that song May 16th. And if you talk to them long enough every once in a while, it is the only album they own because they ended up buying the record. And I've even had people many times say, do you guys have any other record? Do you feel like... Um that's your best record? Because I, I think it's probably the most well-known. I don't know. I mean, I don't, you know, I get often the question, what's your favorite Lagwagon album? I don't have one because I've said this so many times, but I think, of you know, there's a, you spend a lot of time with a record when you make it. So by the time it's done, you could be okay with never hearing it again. <laughs> and, um, you know, it gets a lot of work goes into it. And for me, it's from the beginning because I write most of the music as well. And so I, I'm usually pretty burnt out on a record when it's done. It's nice every once in a while if I have to learn some songs, like, for example, for May 16th, for that show, I went back to all the albums and listened to them all and started kind of figuring them out and everything. And it was kind of cool. Like, wow, I haven't heard this record in a while. It's pretty solid. Like, good job, guys. You know, that kind of thing. But... For the most part, uh, I don't have a favorite. And, um, you know, part of that is that they're all kind of like your babies, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I kind of love them all and dislike them all, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't know. That's one of our shortest records, so I don't know if that matters. <laughs> um. For the amount of touring you were able to do after Railer, how was the response to that record uh, live? It was really good, actually. Yeah. I think when we made Hang, the record before it, mm. it was like any other record. Usually in the beginning, uh, the response is not great to the new songs. Uh, and with Hang, it took a while before people were actually really psyched. And, and we liked Hang so much that we right out of the gate were playing like five songs off that record uh, in our set. And, um, you know, yeah, it, they weren't all that well-received right off the bat. And then after a while, you know, it, it, it takes a few years. I'm not sure why, but that's just how it always seems to be. Um, with Raylor, it was different. It was pretty much immediate, you know. We'd play uh, a couple of songs off that record and, it got really, really good feedback. So I don't know, you know, I don't know. Maybe it was just more of a, um, 
accessible record in some ways. Hmm. I don't know. It's hard to, to, it's hard to really have any ideas about those sorts of things. And I don't know if I want to try not to think about it too much. You like you know, the surprise of it? Well, and also I think it's kind of a rabbit hole to, you know, if you go down the, the, the rabbit hole of, uh, you know, thinking about what you can do differently and, you know, uh, and if that can has some effect on your writing and your process, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that's a bad thing. I don't know much about that because I've done my best to not do that. I just try to write what makes sense to me and, you know, try to be as pure and honest about it as possible um, and just hope for the best. And I figure there's no, no regrets yeah. that way. Cool. Um, so I, just one last question. I know that uh, sure. your governor is easing restrictions. I know. Um, but once you feel it's safe, what is like the first thing you really want to do out in the world? I am going to go to a movie. Mm. That's it. That's, you know, it's funny. I, I don't miss a whole lot because I'm not wanting for much that, uh, that I would normally be doing. It's nice to have a break from touring, um, and travel because I've been doing that 30 years now. Um, and you know, I don't mind eating at home. I don't mind ordering food and eating. But I miss movies. You know, that was something about once a month, once every two months. I do a lot on tour, you know, in between Soundcheck and Showtime. There's a movie theater nearby. You know, a bunch of us will go see a flick, you know. Mm -hmm. I miss that. And I actually just was talking about that yesterday. I think it might be the only thing that I kind of wish I could do. Uh, so, yeah, I'll go to a movie. Awesome. Maybe a few of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's cool watching movies on your laptop, you know, but it's not the same. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Adam.